on the TV, on the radio, and even social media, everyone has become a debater. Hotheads, hot takes, and lots of hot air are now the norm. But only one can be the master debater. This is Master Debaters from News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. And I'm Dennis Foley. Welcome to Master Debaters, the show where the best argument wins. Joining us this week, our first debater can be heard on WRNO in New Orleans, James Parker. Hey, James. Hey, good to be here. Thank you very much. Thanks for being here. Our next debater can be heard on San Antonio Sports Star, 1250 AM and 94.5 FM, James Pledger. Hey, James. What's happening, Dennis? I'm feeling a little randy today. I don't know. I got a haircut and a shave. I'm feeling kind of sexy. I'm feeling myself. Let's do this. Okay. We'll call you Randy then. And our third <laughs> debater this week is an empty chair. <sighs> who graces us with its presence this week, just sitting comfortably in the other side of the room for me, just, you know, just sitting there, doing its thing. And I, like yeah. I feel like it's touching me. Sure. <laughs> All three of our debaters, including the empty chair, will be presenting arguments in an effort to try to win over our judge, who this week is KTSA news reporter Katie Barber. Hey, Katie. Hello, Dennis. I haven't seen you in a minute. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now, her job will be to analyze and critique each response that our contestants give to questions that I present throughout the show. And along with asking most of these questions, I am also the show's referee. So if there's something I hear that I don't like, you'll hear this uh, whistle, that one right there. Now, before we get started, let's give our contestants a chance to get to know our judge, Katie, a little bit better with a question. So let's start with James Parker. Uh, do you have a question for a judge, Katie? Yes. Uh, where is your high school? In Katy, Texas. No irony there at all. <laughs> no, like it's spelled weird. the same way as my name. Um. <laughs> K A T Y. So that's West Houston. See, you get a lot yes. from that. Thank you very much, Katie Barber. All right, James Pledger. Do you have a question for a judge, Katie? Katie, which anime would you prefer to watch over and over again? Hunter Hunter. Dragon Ball or Death Note? So because you said Dragon Ball specifically, I will say Dragon Ball because I prefer the, the strong narrative of Dragon Ball. I like Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball Super too, but Dragon Ball is actually my favorite of the bunch. So that one. I've only heard of one of them, so I'm, I'm clueless on this one. Let's, let's start the debate. <laughs> <laughs> Opening Arguments on Master Debaters. It is time for opening arguments. In this segment, I will give each combatant a question. That combatant will answer that question. And our judge, Katie, will give them a score between 0 and 10 points. They will have 30 seconds for their argument. And a buzzer will let them know when that time is up. The first topic, if your house is chock full of a noisy little toy, it seems that you're far from alone. Across the country, homes are ringing with the pitter-patter of flying fingers on plastic. They're called Pop-It, basically a silicone-colored version of the bubble wrap everyone loves to pop. Versions include ice cream cones, unicorns, or even a little heart. The backstory includes a monkey and, of course, a TikTok video, but sales are through the roof. These are not to be confused with the Poppet Pal, a toy where people can pop fake pimples on fake skin or even phony noses, complete with an all-natural pus. 
you're welcome for that visual. Thanks. That's correspondent Allison Keys. We're sorry, James Parker. Would you buy this toy? 30 seconds. Uh, heck yes, I would buy this toy, and I would encourage you to buy this toy. I have young children, and we got it to occupy them while they're in the backseat of a car or while they're in a waiting room or where they just need to be occupied. And it works so good on them, I start to do it myself, and it's very satisfying. It, it really does. It gives you something to focus on, especially if you're a fidgety person. It's very calming, and it looks stupid, and you feel stupid doing it, but you feel better. All right, Katie, what score do you want to give that zero to ten? I just have one. Can I have, ask one follow-up question? Sure. So does it really make that sound? It's not that like, loud. Does it make that a they sound? Put that, it's like the microphones they use on the uprights in the NFL, so whenever someone hits the pole, it's like, <laughs> boom. No, it doesn't sound like that. No, it's not that. It's not that <laughs> like, you can barely like hear it. Of, barely hear mic right on top of it. <laughs> And and they just blew it up in in uh, Adobe Audition. They put a big compressor on it and blew it. It, it. It's not near. You can barely hear it if the person next to you is doing it. Okay, because that changes. That's that's exactly what my answer is dependent on. Because I hate the idea that makes all that noise. Because I that would drive me nuts. So, but I can see, I could see that being something that is satisfying, like a like the new age fidget spinner, right? So I'll give that a five. Okay, next topic, a brand new haunted attraction will be possessing a portion of the Rolling Oaks Mall starting next Friday. Gruesome rooms, haunted hallways, creepy corridors, and special surprises are taking over the first floor of the Rolling Oaks Mall in October. The 6,000-square-foot haunted house maze will be open through Halloween and opens next Friday. Tickets are $20 and available online for people ages 12 and older. Katie Barber, KTSA News. All right, so James Pledger, are you a fan of haunted houses? 30 seconds. I am absolutely a fan of haunted houses. I've always loved haunted houses. They're so much fun. And that the fact that they're doing this to Rolling Oaks Mall, which is already a scary place in the first place, I am all in. This is going to be so much fun. Uh, it's wonderful re- reporting. I had no clue that this was happening, but now that I do know that this is happening, I am going straight over to Rolling Oaks Mall at some time between now and Halloween and checking out how they turn the entire first floor of that mall into a haunted house. That sounds like so much fun. All right, Katie, score zero to 10 for that. So I'm a little biased because the reporting was good. Um, so I will give that <laughs> and, an eight. And they failed to uh, take advantage of the pander. So <laughs> there is that. Next topic, a party bus saves the day for a school field trip. It's another sign of the school bus shortage felt nationwide. In Massachusetts, a group of high schoolers rode a party bus, complete with a stripper pole and neon lights, on a class trip. A teacher at the Brook Charter School in Boston said in a since-deleted tweet that the original bus had fallen through. The teacher is now using his viral status as a platform to speak about flaws in the education system. The state has already called in the National Guard to help with the bus driver shortage. That's correspondent Lisa Mateo. How do you both feel about teens being on a party bus? You're going to share 30 seconds. Starts now. 
I like the idea of the sound system on the bus. It could be used as like a multiple educational layer because you could be picking them up and that you could be playing like Of Mice and Men, the audio book there, or you could be listening to the morning news. or just, Like it's another way to actually get information into the kids. And is it, is it really a stripper pole if there's no stripper? I think it's just a pole on the bus with the high school kids. I am all in on this because I went to Smith Valley and – if I could have a party bus to go to school instead, it would have made riding the bus that much more fun because, let's face it, it probably comes with a kegerator. All right. So, Katie, what score do you want to give that argument 0 to 10? I actually really like both of their arguments. I just want um, one score. Just one score. Oh, one score? Oh, yeah. okay. I'm going to give out of what? Uh, 0 to 10. 0 to 10. I'll give them a 10. And I just, I feel like the poll is an opportunity for physical education, you know, like a good way to work your core and upper body. So it's all around a great idea. So the empty chair is getting 10 points. Well, coming up. Oh, oh, wait. Coming up. The stories (laughs) that's been the conversation of the entire nation will debate that and much more next, right here on Master Debaters from KTSA. This is Master Debaters, the show where the best argument wins. It is, and this is where things begin to heat up a little bit. We have James Fledger and James Parker, as well as an empty chair, all competing this week to convince our judge, KTSA News reporter Katie Barber, that their argument is the best argument. And if you want to be a judge on a future edition of Master Debaters, head over to our website, KTSA.com, and sign up. It's that easy. Let's keep this debate going. For argument's sake, on Master Debaters. So here I'm going to give all three contestants, we'll throw the chair in as well, uh, the same question. They will each take a turn presenting their argument on that topic. After they each take their 30 seconds to respond, our judge will give them anywhere from 0 to 20 points for their responses. The first topic, the fiancé of Gabby Petito, the 22-year-old who went missing and then was found dead, has been indicted. An arrest warrant is out, but it's not for the murder and he's nowhere to be found. For yet another day, police near Sarasota say they searched and found nothing pointing toward Brian Laundry's whereabouts. Laundry now indicted by a federal grand jury in Wyoming, not for Gabby Petito's homicide, but for allegedly using a credit card and pin after her death that did not belong to him and taking out $1,000. The FBI says this allows him to arrest Laundry, but it's still investigating Petito's death. That's correspondent Alex Stone. We're going to start with James Parker. How much interest do you have in this case? 30 seconds. I'm usually not interested in these because, you know, I'm not one of those guys that watches Law and Order and CSI and all of that. But this one's very interesting just because it happened so slow in front of your face and we all had a chance to keep up with the story as it was happening. So it was like one of these Tiger King Netflix docuseries, except it was happening in real time. And so, yeah, um, of course he did it. It's just a matter of time. And has he killed himself already? Or are we going to have to watch him get arrested and go to trial? That's all we're waiting on. But no, totally interested, just because it was a really good storyline. James Pledger, your 30-second argument. Usually interests me quite extensively just because... I am a curious person by nature, and I also love murder documentaries and investigative features. So this has caught my attention, and now I'm just trying to wait to find out a lot like James Parker. Um, is is he going to go to jail? Is he going to find a way to 
get rid of himself before jail comes or is this going to be like where he ends up in jail and then pulling in Aaron Hernandez while in there? So before I go to Katie, I will say uh, I am a Law & Order fan, most of the older episodes, but I'm not a huge, uh, you know, follower of this, you know, I, 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 I care about it for the news, but I'm not sitting there, sitting here at night, you know, oh, what's going on, I'm watching live feeds of everything. So I guess I'm the opposite of what James Parker was saying. But Katie, uh, what scores do you want to give all three of our debaters, zero to 20? So the, so the chair gets zero, um, because I'm upset it got points last round. <laughs> uh, and silence is violent. Um, and honestly, I... I'm not a huge true crime fan, and uh, I, I don't know. The story has been a little bit I, – I feel for her family, for sure, just like I feel for any family of any person that's missing. But um, I find this story to be a little bit uh, overdone. So I'm not particularly interested. So I'm going to give both of you guys the same score because you guys agreed. But so I'm going to give you both a 10 because I don't want to give you a zero because it feels mean. Um, but you did give the empty chair a zero, so I guess you're being yeah, mean to so the chair. This is, I'm kicking over the empty chair, actually. Okay. It's taking note of that. Uh, more people are checking out two famous brothers with their own descriptions of Monday Night Football. It's one of the highlights of the young NFL season, the Manning brothers. You had no option but to catch that ball. That ball was just implanted oh. in the chest right oh, there. The, the ball caught him. The ball. <laughs> Eli and Peyton have been doing their own play-by-play of the Monday night broadcasts on ESPN2. They more than double their viewership in week two with 1.9 million viewers. The traditional broadcast on ESPN had 11.9 million. That's correspondent Steve Kathan. So the Manning brothers, have you seen their version of Monday Night Football? And if you have, do you like it or not? We'll start with James Pledger, 30 seconds. I've actually watched... Both of the Manning megacasts now, and I find it much more enjoyable than even the regular broad- broadcast. It is like hanging out with your friends and just talking about football the way you would during a broadcast, only they can break it down a little bit better, but they're still fun. They have special guests that come in like Rob Gronkowski or Ray Lewis, and they tell stories, and it just ends up being incredibly enjoyable to watch. I am all in on the Manning Megacast. James Parker, 30 seconds. Saw some highlights of it. I didn't see all of both games, but uh, I love the concept. You just need a couple of better participants in the activity. Uh, what I would like to see is is there be a, a total homer for each team that is stuck doing the broadcast together. One guy is for one team, one guy is for the other team. But those guys travel around, so you get to have your own guy in the booth go against the other guys in the booth, and they become their own known entities as well. This could really end up being something big, bigger than this Manning stuff, but it's, this is a good start. All right, Katie, what scores are you giving all three of our debaters, 0 to 20? Um, I actually haven't had a chance to watch the mega cast, but I, I want to now both of you, both of y'all have been <laughs> convincing. Um, this is a little bit more difficult for me to grade, but we're going to go with, um, zero for the chair again, cause it's rude. Cause haters um, are going to hate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm going to give James Parker a, a 15. And James Pledger, an 18. Okay, next topic. More Americans are turning 
to a higher power on their own terms, becoming nuns. That's N-O-N-E-S, nuns. A former Southern Baptist minister has a prediction. Within 10 years, the number of people in the U.S. who affiliate with no particular faith will be larger than any individual religious denomination. Ryan Burge is a political science professor at Eastern Illinois University and author of The Knowns. Burge says about 70 million American adults identify without a religion. Considered mostly a youth movement, knowns are turning to spirituality from within through meditation or yoga. That's correspondent Lisa Mateo. We're going to start with uh, James Parker. 30 seconds. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Um, I mean, it's kind of a bad thing. It's it's not the end of the world. You know, there's pendulums that swing. The uh, population will become more secular and then they'll become more religious and it goes back and forth. So I'm not sweating it too hard. I don't think meditation or yoga is a replacement. You know, yoga is where you're just going around in different positions trying to control your breathing, try not to fart for a half hour because other people are in the room to you. But uh, religion, uh, it'll come back. It's fine. I'm a big fan. There's no need to worry about it. James Pledger. Good thing, bad thing, 30 seconds. A bad thing. I look at it in terms of religion serves as a good purpose, as a barometer of good and evil, right and wrong for children and youths and if not then what are we teaching our kids i think there are obvious things that certain religions teach that are hateful that can be done away with but much like anything in our lives i think we need to take the good and bad of different things and kind of put it together to make it best for the 21st century all right katie what scores are you giving all three of our debaters zero to 20 so James Parker. I'm going to disagree with you about yoga. <laughs> but, um, but you know, I, I totally understand and respect what you're saying. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and give you a 12. Um, James Pledger. I don't think it's a bad thing, but I agree that there should definitely be a conversation. So I'm going to give you a 10. And the chair can have, like, two points. So you're feeling nice now, right? Uh, that's the whole thing. I'm Slight, I, mean, I feel like three zeros isn't very fun. So. Okay. Uh, Mother Nature and the supply chain woes could put a damper in your Christmas tree selection this holiday. According to the American Christmas Tree Association, supply chain disruptions are to blame for a shortage of artificial trees. Retailers say the setback could quadruple shipping costs compared to last year. Extreme weather events in the Pacific Northwest have also taken a toll on the nation's live Christmas tree supply. That's correspondent Elise Preston, and apparently it affects both uh, artificial and real trees. So we're going to start with James Pledger. If you can't get a tree this year, assuming you don't have one, uh, what's your backup plan? What what are you going to do if you don't have a tree? 30 seconds. Um, First, my biggest takeaway from this story is that there is an American Christmas Tree Association. How come I never knew the ACA was a thing? And where have they been up until this point? Secondly, if I don't have a tree, I will find a twig. I will put an ornament on it. I will call my Christmas tree Groot and I will be fine because Christmas is about the spirit, not the actual manifestation of having things. And I am full of Christmas spirit all the time. So I am all in on Christmas shortage or not. All right, James Parker, your 30 second arguments. All right. First off, this sounds like complete propaganda and BS from the cartel of big tree. 
between the artificial and natural tree people, they can both have a shortage the same year at the same time. That doesn't sound believable. And how on earth could there be a Christmas tree shortage when you could just go out and chop down a tree in the woods and bring it back and put it in your living room? There's not a shortage. Drive from here to, like, Atlanta and tell me there's a shortage of trees you can chop down and put in your living room for a month. There's not. This is garbage, and I'm not buying it for one second. All right, and I, I would imagine the uh, empty chair in the corner is probably snickering because it probably thinks that it itself can be a Christmas tree if it had to be. But, uh, Katie, well, what's I actually heard the Christmas tree say COVID was the reason for the shortages, so. Oh. Oh. So the tree said that or the chair said that? The chair. The chair said that, yeah. Oh. Uh, Katie. Right. But you said it could be a tree if it wanted, so I think it's starting to identify as a tree now. Katie, what scores are you giving? <laughs> Zero to 20 to all three of our debaters. So, Pledge gets a 20 because of Groot. Because, I mean, Groot would make any holiday brighter, every single one of them. Um, and I like the spirit. I will give James Parker an 18 because I agree, Big Tree, it's just a conspiracy. Um, and I actually, I'm going to give the chair zero points because I'm, con- I'm pretty sure that the chair is actually a part of the, the Big Tree. Um, Oh, the the big the big tree industry, the cartel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. The cartel. The chair is actually the head of the big tree cartel. Uh, we got an antitrust case right here, right now. We're just mm-hmm, playing around. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. big, big tree. <laughs> it's the uh, head of the ACA. Yeah. Uh, well, coming up, our debaters—they've got some arguments they want to present to the judge. We'll find out what that is after this. This is Master Debaters from KTSa. This is Master Debaters from 550 KTSA and FM 1071. I'm Dennis Foley. Joining us this week, we have James Parker, James Fledger, and I guess an empty chair we could call James if we wanted to give chairs a name, though it's just sitting in the corner, a little dusty. You know, it's having having a weak, weak appearance on the show this week, but they're all trying to coerce our judge, Katie, to give them more points to their fellow competitors. So let's keep this debate going. State your case on Master Debater. So in this part of the show, our competitors came in before the show with a topic they wanted to discuss and present to our judge. They will get 60 seconds to do so. During those 60 seconds, if the other combatants wish to challenge, they will each get 30 seconds each after the original case is done being presented. Now, after all those challenges, the original presenter will get their own 30 seconds to respond to their challengers and if they change their topic for what they had sent him before the show they will get an automatic five point penalty they're also a broader range of points at stake our judge can now give up to 20 points but she can also take away up to 20 points from everyone whether they challenge choose to stay quiet or you know present their argument so uh you guys want to guess who the points leader is at this point in the show pleasure uh the big Christmas tree propaganda chair. The correct answer is James Pledger. Your 60-second argument starts now. Well, for me, I want to talk about something that is going on in the NFL right now. And Urban Meyer came from college to the NFL to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars job. And according to his pregame interview before his week two matchup against the Broncos, it seems like he might be in a little over his head. Hmm. 
Okay. Okay, so no audio then. Oh, but oh you want the audio? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is just our third game. You know, it's the next game. You know, favorites or lines don't mean anything to us. You know, this is the NFL. You know, I, I don't know uh, Urban Meyer at all, really. I met him the other day. You know, shook his hand before the game and after the game. And, and his comment to me was every week it's like playing Alabama in the NFL. You know, so with that that's, being said, that's it. The, everybody's capable of beating everybody in this league. Ed because Urban Meyer. Yeah, yeah your your time's up. You're, twice. You're, because of health concerns. Your time's up. Oh. Okay. <laughs> there is no challenge. So, uh, <laughs> Katie. Uh, what scores would you like to give out? Negative twenty to twenty for uh, for well, for this. So I, I, I don't know. I, I don't disagree with what Pledger's saying because just based on that audio clip where he's talking about just, it just seems really a little bit juvenile what he's saying. I'm sure Pledger has a much more a bigger argument there, but I actually don't disagree with what just the first first statement before um, the audio clip and then the audio clip, in my opinion. Um, supported what just what he said uh, and I like college football I actually watch more college football than I watch NFL um, but so I will give him 15 points and I'm not going to take away any on Packer because he didn't have a chance to to, 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 cha- to challenge or argue either so and the chair can get negative five points because um, nice this Okay. Uh, well, James Parker, it's your turn for your 60-second arguments. Okay, my 60-second argument comes from the weird story from the Border Patrol this this week. They were There's some photographs of them, and they were accused of whipping Haitian immigrants that are trying to walk across the, the Texas-Mexico border. And just everything about this story seems weird. First off, how did the Haitians get here? They didn't walk here. They didn't swim here. This, 15,000 of them showed up on a boat. Nah, they had like a layover in Chile or something. So it got really complicated quick. But the the thing that caught my attention, of course they're not using whips. It was just the reins that were flopping around real funny looking in the picture. It's not like they hand Rusty the whip before he goes to to patrol the border. What an absurd accusation that was to begin with. But why is the Border Patrol still using horses? What year is this? Can't you get like a little four-wheeler or something or like a uh, a dune buggy? Does the uh, IRS sometimes use an abacus? You know, like usually we use computers and calculators, but you know your your uh, tax return is a little uh, janky, so we whipped out the abacus to take care of that. James Pledger, a thirty-second challenge. Well, they're using horses because that is probably the best mode of transportation in that area. It's not like there's gas stations on every corner to fill up your ATV. I'm pretty sure once you get out into the desert in that area, you need transportation that's not going to run out of fuel as you're running down, whether it's immigrants or just trying to help people that are lost in the desert. So horse actually seems like a fair method of transportation. Plus, I watched Mr. Ed as a kid, and that horse was delightful. And James Parker, your 30-second rebuttal. No, we're not going to run out of gas. Come on, dude. We have gas cans and things like that. You can take uh, some extra tanks with you if you want, and you can take your big truck to get pretty close. It just seems weird. It would be like if you went to the VA and they handed some old veteran from Vietnam, here, here's some leeches is what it looks like to me. 
You don't. You, we don't have a mechanical improvement on the horse. It, we, it's something that poops. We can't do better than this in 2021. Does the military sometimes ha haul out the old cannons? Does the school bus show up for your kids and it's a wagon train? It's just weird. It's weird. All right, Katie, what scores you want to give our three debaters? Negative 20 to 20 for those <laughs> arguments. Um, well, first of all, I don't think we considered that the Border Patrol probably needs, like, just maybe river dolphins would be, like, a really good mode of transportation there at the border um, on the river. But, uh, you know, I, I I do feel like James Tucker has a point. Horses do seem a little antiquated, but... Pledger makes a good counter-argument. I don't know what the situation on the border is like in terms of gas and fuel. Um, and horses pooping is just proof of gas and fuel. Um, but so I don't really know where I'm going with this argument here. But so Packer can have 15 points also. Pledge can get uh, five because I like that. And the chair can lose another five because I like that. All right. So this next argument comes from the empty chair. Are we falling back into some bad highway habits? This is Jeff Gilbert with the Car Chronicles. After rising last year, the highway fatality rate took another big jump in the first half of this year. Average highway speeds have increased across the United States. Um, we're seeing more people um, in accidents and fatality um, accidents uh, unbuckled. Um, and we're seeing more impairment. Mark Chung of the National Safety Council says people are ignoring driving basics. For whatever reason, we're not adhering to those types of uh, best practices. So how do we turn this around? You know, I think we have to go back to basics and really re-educate people on the virtues of slowing down, of buckling up, of not drinking and driving. Roughly 21,000 people died on the nation's highways in the first half of this year. With the Court Chronicles, I'm Jeff Gilbert, CBS News. All right, a 30-second challenge from James Pledger. Look, I don't like that the chair is trying to tell me that I either need to wear a seatbelt or do something in my own motor vehicle. In terms of most things, this is Darwinism. You, you either get behind it or you disobey and something bad happens. And in that case, I'm all for it because it's just a great way of population control. Darwinism was the original way to handle population control. And I think that the chair is trying to push a narrative on me and I don't appreciate it. And uh, chair, what's your response to that? During the pandemic, one in five workers with a disability lost their job. That's compared to one in seven workers in the general population. That's discouraging, but perhaps not surprising, as disabled workers often face an uphill battle at every step in their career. October is National Disability Employment Awareness Month. And among the employers that do not even need any reminding is Ernst & Young. Their co-founder, Arthur Young, was deaf and had low vision. Unable to successfully practice as a courtroom lawyer, he turned to accounting, where he became wildly successful. AT&T, Starbucks, All right, we get a chair. Chase, chair, come on. Other large employers. Chair, chair come on. You're wasting all your time. types of workers. One respected study found that companies chair. that prioritize the hiring of disabled workers <laughs> we get are it. far more okay. likely to it, outperform This argument doesn't even make any sense. And shareholder returns like have higher revenue. All right, all right. Your, chair, we got to stop. All right, chair, all right, all right. Oh. It's big chair propaganda, yeah. God. <laughs> Katie, uh, what scores you want to give all three of our debaters for whatever argument that was uh, from the chair? So chair gets negative 12 because that was just, it made no sense, you know. 
Um, but I'm happy to know that October is National Employee Disability Month, I guess. <laughs> the only good takeaway from that. Um, I, I agree with pleasure. It is Darwinism at its finest. Uh, my only issue is if those people who are driving like um, – was gonna probably say a word that has to be bleeped out because it's the radio. Uh, driving like an uh, driving inappropriately or whatever. If other people who are driving safe accidentally get hurt, that does suck. They didn't ask to be a, a victim of Darwinism, but I agree generally. So you can get an additional seven points. And, then, and Packer, you don't don't have to lose any. Okay. All right. Well, coming up, who's gonna win? It all comes down to one final fight. This is Master Debaters from KTSA. From 550 KTSA and FM 1071, this is Master Debaters, the show where the best argument wins. And that argument, it ends right here, right now. It's battle this week between James Parker, James Ledger, and a really off-the-rails empty chair <laughs> spewing junk. I, I, I don't even know. But their arguments, they're trying to make them the best. And our judge, Katie Barber, KTSA news reporter Katie Barber, is going to try to dole out the points and figure out who is the best. But it's going to come down to one final fight. Closing arguments on Master Debaters. So, yeah, a four-minute melee is going to decide it all. I'm going to present a topic, and our three contestants will hash it out amongst themselves for a whole four minutes, no more, no less. At the sound of the final buzzer, our judge will give each combatant up to 100 points or can take away up to 100 points. The person with the fewest points will get a 15-second head start, and then everyone else can join in after that bell has rung. So, any wild guesses as to who has the fewest point at this point in the show? Chair. Ooh. Mm, big chair propaganda. Yeah, it's the chair. Little chair pop. Little chair propaganda now. Yeah, the chair. Chair is oh. the uh, fewest point right now. So the topic. Second head start. The topic pop music is often described as catchy, but a new study suggests you really can infect friends with your music taste. Your friend plays you that catchy tune, then you download that catchy tune, and so on. An analysis of a database of more than a billion song downloads found they conform to the same standard mathematical model of how epidemics spread through populations. That's right. Catchy tunes are the Delta variant of music. Who knows what you'll download now that you've heard this report. You're welcome. That's correspondent Vicki Barker. Thanks. Uh, would you say this is a good infection, a bad infection? What songs would you consider to be a quote-unquote plague? And what would you consider to be a cure, if we were to use these pandemic-y kind of terms? It's a four-minute argument. That empty chair, just sitting there in the corner, gets a 15-second head start, which begins right now. Whoa, 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 whoa. You 
you cannot think that Wham is going to be this cure-all for all music earworms. That is not true. I love Wham as much as anyone else, Empty Chair, but you cannot go down that road. <laughs> well, I also think the uh, the cure to one earworm is to replace it with a newer earworm that keeps going. And of course, you're going to adopt your friend's playlist and their, their musical selections. They're going to introduce you to you to new music. You're going to like some of it. You're going to adopt some of it. That's the way it goes. And of course, it follows the same sort of linear algorithm as as pandemics because you know the people you hang out with the most. They also get your viruses and not just your musical taste as well. I think that I like all of my friends' music. I like some of it, but that's because it falls into a certain taste of music that I happen to like or enjoy. I don't think I'm influenced by my friend's music taste because there are certain songs that they'll play that I absolutely hate and don't want to hear. And <laughs> we'll change the channel on them. So I, I don't believe that it's pandemically spread the same way as let's say COVID-19 or influenza or any other massive disease because yeah it's an earworm and it'll hit you but it has to feed on your own musical taste you're not gonna automatically like something just because your friends happen to like it I think your own music tastes play into this and that's something that is very deep within you from your childhood that is yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. ingrained. I, I don't know if any of the last few sentences made any, any bit of difference because I'm so offended by your anti-wham bigotry. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> a phobic level pleasure, and it's really unacceptable in 2021. I mean, I hope Andrew Ridgely, if he's not a fan of KPSA already, if he does, if he finds this podcast one day or sees it on YouTube or wherever Dennis is going to put it, if he hears this, you broke his heart heart okay with your anti-wham just slander is what it is and i'm almost embarrassed to be uh, to be part of this segment you're gonna cure the entire pandemic that's not how this is gonna work not everybody's gonna have the same musical taste and wham isn't everyone's bailiwick i happen to like it but it's not everybody's cup of tea or well, i guess in george michael's take it taste it would be a cup of tea so didn't he die? in George Michael dead? And like yeah, Andrew he's Ridge dead. Yeah, but Andrew Ridge is still alive, right? He is. Yeah. Is the, did he ever do anything besides Wham? Because I really thought he carried that group. No, but it's it's hard because there are certain British people that you thought would have gone on to do a whole lot more. Like Rick Atsley. I would have thought okay. he would have done a whole lot more. His voice is its own earworm. I could listen to Rick Atsley sing about almost anything. Do you think that if he hung out with Andrew Ridgely, that their playlist would sort of have a little more crossover than it did previously? You know, that they, they pass along each other's musical taste? That might be a crossover I'd be willing to listen to if we got a little Rick Astley and Andy, a little Wham! Astley crossover. You get those beautiful pipes from Astley with the musical genius that is Andy. Like, that's something you may be onto something right here. Yeah, it, it, its name's Andrew Ridgely. It's the other guy from Wham. I'm glad yeah, you were able to phony your way through that, but uh, I'm still disappointed, and I think I've exposed you as the fraud you are, Fletcher. All right. So I, I honestly think that the chair may have thrown you guys off. So the two questions <laughs> that I asked 
for this topic. First, under this premise, would you say this is a good thing or a bad thing? Is uh, the spread of music through your, you know, the friendship spread of music, like an infection, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Then the second thing was, you guys kind of talked about it. What songs do you consider to be like a plague that are just, you know, awful earworms to have just circulating society? And what do you consider to be a cure? The you know, songs that you're like, hey, I want to hear that. Or that's that's a benefit to society right there. Um, Katie, what's your assessment on the arguments? Negative 100 to 100 for all three of our debaters. Okay, so what we what I don't think we're appreciating right now is that this discussion about music, and I guess Wham specifically, was like an, a little explosion of friendship because you guys started out arguing with each other, and by the end of that, y'all were like having an actual honest discourse and giving each other recommendations, and it was actually very sweet. Um, <laughs> so in its own way, I think the argument actually proved itself um, in a weird way. So I will give James Packer... Out of a hundred, that's a lot of points. Well, negative one hundred um, to a hundred. Okay, so the chair can get a negative one hundred. Um, <laughs> I don't think he did she, that bad. She really hates the chair. I mean, I think the chair was very impactful in this argument, but uh, you know, I will see to the judge. <laughs> it's, it can be impactful, but also wrong. Um, <laughs> wow, you can make a difference, but you can also be wrong. Those <laughs> little chair nights. I'll give James Packer 88 points, and I'll give James Pledger 82 points. Okay, well, let's see. Do some final math. This is a musical chair. To see who this week's master debater is. So after a series of discussions, some coherent, some not, that's what happens when an empty chair shows up. It's a wild experience. It's time to name this week's Master Debater. Unexpectedly in third place, with a negative score of 110, negative 110, is the empty chair. Shocker. In second place, with 163 points, James Parker, which means this week's master debater, with 173 points, James Pledger, not only are you the master debater this week, you're, I guess, the master of James? Six seconds to celebrate. Go ahead. Yeah, also, the master JP. I would, so many people to thank. I have to start by thanking KTSA news reporter Katie Barber for allowing me to come out on top in this debate of heated proportions between the Jameses and the empty chair and the chair trying to spread its big tree propaganda from the ACA, which I didn't know existed until today, and the American Christmas Tree Association. That's just something that needs to be looked into a little bit further, I think. It feels like there's some shady things going on under the table when it comes to Christmas now, and I'm not okay with that. 
Um, I'd like to thank my competitor, James Parker, and even though that he is misguided in his musical tastes, that I don't hold any ill will towards him, and that he should probably get some of those bubble poppy thingies and start to pop them, and maybe he'll feel better at the end of this. So, uh, would you guys make the empty chair an honorary James, or does it not? Uh, is it not deserving of, of the James, James name? Chair is fine. His last name can be Chair. His first name will be James. Okay, uh, pleasure. It's, 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 so that would make it the first all James episode. That's true. James, I'm kind you, of shoehorning it in there, but I'll take it. Yeah, uh, James Pleasure. Do you agree with that, or? Sure. I, it could be James Chair. Could be its middle name, and we could call him James chair paper propaganda james chair paper because he's in the big tree conspiracy <laughs> i see what you did yeah well that's it <laughs> big thanks to our three debaters this week james parker who you can hear on wrno in new orleans james pledger who you can hear on san antonio sports star 1250 a.m and 94.5 fm and james chair paper you whatever we're calling the empty chair we, we thank the chair for sitting there in the corner and doing its thing and a big thanks to our judge this week ktsa news reporter katie barber thank you <laughs> master Welcome. masturbators is a production of ktsa san antonio learn more that masturbators online at ktsa.com i'm dennis foley this has been master debaters the show where the best argument wins San Antonio's home for news and talk. On air, online, and on demand. 550 KTSA and FM 1071.